Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Let's hope that this version is a lot better than the last one I just tried to start. There were some audio issues, so I apologize to those who joined me on that one. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for sticking with me. Anyway, here's the deal. You know what I you know what this is, a live stream edition of the John Com Report. So thank you for joining the podcast. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and always much appreciated. So today I'm gonna wrap up the start, excuse me, the third day of training camp. Still no pads yet, but I'll give you a little bit of taste. I'm gonna answer your questions and give you as much time as I can. And so there we go. Anyway. Kevin Durant was here today at practice. Yeah, the NBA star was a big Redskins slash Commanders fan. Haven't seen him around here in a while, so he was here. He was in attendance, excited like everybody else. There were several thousand people in attendance. Much like yesterday, hot, hot, hot day. Hotter than, much hotter than yesterday, at least during practice, because the sun was brutal. Yesterday we had shade during practice, not today. Anyway, they're expecting a really big crowd on Saturday, so... Just if you're going to come, then make sure you get here early. Let's start with some of the before. I'm going to talk for a few minutes, and then we can go to some of your questions. Um, I'm going to start with the warm-up. So one of the things that I think is interesting when you're trying to develop a young quarterback is just kind of how they do all these little things. So during warm-ups, for example, there's always the center quarterback exchange, you know, shotgun snaps. Each quarterback gets paired with the center it's basic, basic stuff. So what I was watching today when I was watching Sam Howell, Brissett, and Jake Fromm do it, watching quarterbacks coach Tabitha Pritchard, he would call out the play to Sam Howell, then Howell would have to relay the play to the other quarterbacks. Getting used to being that guy, having to be vocal, having to relay the call, because these calls in the West Coast offense can be kind of long. Typically, it's just going to be there, you know, one guy will do it. But this is part of the learning process for Howell. So just wanted to, I thought that was kind of interesting. The other thing to note, the other thing to note is when you watch his practice, and I pointed this out in the spring, but it's worth pointing out again, you don't see the ball hit the ground a lot, even when throwing on air. And I, I say that because there were definitely times last year, even later in the season, where you'd see the quarterbacks kind of throwing in practice or whatever, and that ball would hit the ground. And it was like, there's nobody that was there. Like, there's no defense, and the ball would still hit the ground. You're not seeing that. These guys are a lot more accurate. I think that's one big improvement. And even you go back to last training camp when Carson Wentz was here, and what was everybody talking about? How inaccurate he was at times. Now, sometimes, yeah, you could point to the receiver. You're not sure who's doing what. Other times, he was just airmailing the ball. And you're not seeing, like, those wires. So it gives you reason to believe that the quarterback play can certainly can be better like it, it, you know they've had one of the worst quarterback situations over the last several years but you know and that's a minor thing you know there's no defense or sometimes but it's still you're not seeing those wild misses as often as you did last year one other thing from some warms just watching some of the guys return kicks byron here are the guys that were have been returning kicks byron pringle Jonathan Williams, Jared Patterson, Antonio Gibson, and Chris Rodriguez. 
up there. Pringle does a, does a pretty nice job. One of the things I liked about Gibson is, and you just watch their feet, how when they hit the ground, where are their feet? Are they ready to get going forward? You know, not just having to be, if your feet are even, then you have to kind of step back, then go. But if you're kind of catching it, and I was talking to Brian Mitchell about this on the sidelines, if you're catching it with a, your feet are ready to plant and go, that's what you want. Now, when I watched Gibson, he wasn't quite like that, but his feet were quick. And he gets into his, he gets to where he needs to go quicker than those other guys. So that was just something that you pick up watching that. Benjamin St. Juice, I want to bring him up because I think he's had a good three days. And it doesn't matter if he's playing inside or in the slot. I think he's done a nice job. He's doing a good job to me. Footwork has been pretty good, but also his hand placement when he's doing the jams. Just getting it up. Again, I pointed out just getting it up here, but also just staying balanced, not getting knocked off or anything like that. Saw him do that against Terry McLaurin today. You know, basically took the route away and, um, you know, he did that yesterday. Then today he took a route away just from Antonio Gibson, just kind of a little out and up. That, that he was there, that Sam Howell was looking at him, so another way. But I do think that he's done a nice job, and he's a guy that, to me, consistently improves. Again, I told you, I think he's a very smart player, and we're seeing that play out again this summer. Emmanuel Forbes against Terry McLaurin. I'm bringing up this play because it was interesting. I like I like when, I, when you see, a, like, there's a matchup I want to watch. How does Forbes handle McLaurin? How does Forbes or someone else handle Jahan Dotson? Well, on this particular one, I just happen to look at. So on this one, it's Forbes against McLaurin. Forbes looks like he's in man coverage, just not press, but he's up close to the line of scrimmage. And right the snap, he drops. And so that gives him a better chance to read the play. But also McLaurin, they, they're anticipating a different kind of coverage, I think. So McLaurin runs like a double move. But because of how Forbes dropped and where his vision was, he takes the double move away. McLaurin goes down, goes deep. Forbes is right there. Howell has to look off. So a, a good job. And then later against Logan Thomas, um, did a nice job covering you again, using that length to, to force the quarterback to go elsewhere. One of the things I also like that I don't mind jumped out, but I do think that his guy to watch Curtis Hodges at tight end shows the good athleticism. And there was one time on a screenplay where I felt he did a good job getting out to the linebacker and being able to block would have been a, you know, looked like a good run because of his ability to get out there. So that was something else. Um, let's see, what a couple of things I want to talk about before I get to your questions. How there were, oh, there was one play. This is a play where it's like you say, nobody could, I'm not sure anybody could have really played this better on both offense, defense, the receiver, the quarterback, the defensive backs. So I'm watching De'Ami Brown in this play, and you have Howell, excuse me, um, Howell's the quarterback, but you have Cam Curl is playing playing Brown in the slot. And he under he, he plays him underneath, right? So he knows where his safety help is, and he's got the safety, and it was um, Butler playing, playing, Percy Butler playing deep. And so he plays to the help. Nice job. Howell puts a ball in there. That was perfect. He gave only one guy a shot that ball, and there was no opening there. Brown makes the catch, but he's just out of bounds. So, like, the defensive backs played it well. Brown makes a really nice catch, and Howell puts the ball where only one guy, where only his guy can get it. Happens to be out of bounds. It's a win for the defense, but it's one where you say, like, it was just a, that was a, 
It was a really good throw. It was a really good catch, but it was also really good coverage. And th those are things that you see as well. Um, there were there was uh, Badgley and Joe Sly had a little had their I don't want to call it their big kickoff today because or kick competition whatever you want to call it. They each took five kicks. They each made five kicks between 30, I think it was like between 35, 37, 48 yards. But both were five for five. So for whatever that's worth, I still think the big key for Badgley, if you really want to make a competition, you've got to show that you can do well on kickoffs because that has been, that has been the major sticking point for Badgley in the NFL. And it's why if Sly wins a job or keeps a job, it's because of that area. And I know, you know, Badgley has a better track record with, with um, extra points, whatever, but he's not a kickoff guy. He's only kicked off, I think, like eight times the last three years, and he's not very good at it. So that could be an issue, and those hidden yards are yards that they don't want to give up. So just something to keep in mind when you look at that at that competition. It's a big part of the, the competition. John Allen with a nice little tip, almost an interception at the line of scrimmage. Um, there was one time Hall has a, used a hard count. I thought this was a nice job because he – uses the hard count to get the defense to show their coverage early uh, last for the offense. Didn't quite help them because the defense definitely showed it early, but nobody could get open and Hall ended up kind of, I think he had to throw it away on that one. Another thing that you see with Hall is that one of the things they like to talk about, like special arm talent and the special arm talent comes in the quick twitch of, of what they, you know, what, what they like to see is a quick twitch, right? So there was one play where, and sometimes you watch these plays, like he would have been sacked on that play. You don't have that much time to to get that ball off, right? So in this particular play, though, and he may have been sacked. It was in the red zone, but he hits Daxman on the back of the end zone. But it, forgetting all the other stuff is, you know, he's kind of looking in the field. Boom, there you go. Now you go. That's what. That's what. That's one of the things they've liked about him. So, you know, just there you go. School is out and summer is here, so it's time to plan your next family adventure. With eight different levels, 16 courses, 250 climbing obstacles, and over 4,000 feet of zip lines, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring, located in Montgomery County, Maryland, is the largest ropes course and zip line park in the country. Beat the heat and join us after dark for some night climbing. When the sun goes down, the park is lit up, allowing you to climb under the stars. Check out their glow-in-the-park events for extra glow lights and music throughout the forest. Want to keep your feet on the ground? Grab a bite to eat from the food truck and give axe throwing a try. Perfect for first-timers or experts, their projector systems allow you to throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's promo code KIME23DC, K-E-I-M-23-DC. Now open seven days a week. This is the perfect time of year to get outside and join the adventure at theadventurepark.com. Some of the undrafted linemen, I think a guy to watch there is Mason Brooks, and I've told you about him before. Undrafted free agent was a priority undrafted free agent signing has to show that he could help as a guard and a tackle. He played both in college, and um, he was working a guard today. A couple times I watched him, thought he looked pretty good. Set strong, good base, good good, good hand punch. 
always a big difference when the pads go on for the offensive lineman. So, Wordsworth, but he's got a shot to make this roster. I, I don't. I think right now he'd be on the outside looking in because they have, they have several. They'll have several inexperienced guys backing up. Whether it's you know Chris Paul, Stromberg, Daniels. That's that would be three guys. And if you had a fourth guy like that, that's asking a lot. So it may be they try to stash him on the practice squad, but. He was a guy that other teams were interested in after the draft. Several teams were interested in him. So, but anyway, we'll see where it goes from here. But I, when I when I when I've been able to watch him, kind of like what I see. And Cosme at guard, want to see more again? Pads, pads, pads. But he does show that so you can see the movement skills that I think they like, and I think that's something that that he has shown so far. See what the physical play comes in, but I like the way he's. When I've been able to watch him, I kind of like what I've seen so far up there with him. Saw Montez Sweat, Sweat get around Andrew Wiley one time. One of the things, and I've talked about this with Logan Paulson, with you know, with Wiley, that he he seems to if he if sometimes it may have a trouble with a pass rusher like Sweat, more power. So today I thought there was one time it almost looked like he was setting for a power move, and that Sweat was able to get the corner a little bit on him and applied some pressure. But I think Sweat looks really good. Sweat's, Sweat is a very good player. And, again, I bring up Logan Paulson because he did a nice job illustrating some of what Sweat does very well for, for the commanders. And, and two things that I would talk about, one is setting the edge. He's very, very good at that. But also he works really well with the tackles. So when there's stunts and he can play off the tackle. So sometimes he becomes a little bit improvisation inside there, but he reacts well off of that. And so I think that's one of the things they like. The tackles like playing next to him for sure. And then the last thing I'm going to talk about is Brian Robinson. He continues to have a good camp. I think one of the things is what you see is his ability to catch the ball. And that's been evident every day. And there was another day, another one today gets to the corner of the end zone and a really nice ball from Sam Howell over Jamin Davis, right to um, Brian Robinson in the corner. There you go. Touchdown. After practice, and I wrote a story on Robinson for ESPN.com that should be up soon. Actually, it's up now. But one of the things that he talked about, how he never really felt like himself last year. Now, Ron Rivera said he saw it a little bit, and you could see he had a really, really good three-game stretch last year. But by and large, and Robinson said, you know, I was just a guy basically limping through the season last year. He called it a night and day difference for how he feels, even from the end of last year. And remember, he had the he had a knee issue, hip. Then he had a thigh contusion later in the season. The knee and the hip were from the shooting. So, and, you know, he told he told Randy Jordan in the offseason, I played this for you earlier this offseason. He said, you know, you never saw the guy. You never saw me. And, and Jordan's comment was, well, damn it, let's see you this year. But they're excited about what they've seen so far. So there you go from me. Now let's get to your questions. And, and I'm going to start. I appreciate your guys' patience with all the audio issues, et cetera. So, um, yeah, somebody asked about uh, – Todd Labor asked about Armani Rogers. Remember, he's on an injury reserve, so he's out for the year. And so don't – you know, that's – all right, Chris Rodriguez. Uh, Shaishev, I, Shaishev, I apologize. Nalik wants to know how is Chris Rodriguez Jr. doing. You know, I think it's – again, I think we're going to see more with those guys when we see the pads, especially guys that you're not as familiar with. One of the things I like about him, though, I will say this. There's a couple things. One – they feel like he can be a good blocker, and that's important because I think they're going to need that from them because if you're not using a fullback, you need somebody to who can block and handle that role. It just adds more to what he can do. I like him as a one-cut runner, and I know like they like him as a physical runner between the tackles. I also like him. I thought he was pretty decisive 
at Kentucky as a one-cut runner. So, you know, um, yeah, there we go. All right, Jacob Small wants to know, how are the cornerbacks on the field, such as Forbes, Fuller, Quan, and Benjamin? All right, Jacob, good question, but keep in mind, Quan is, is as much a safety as he is as a slot corner. So Quan has been working the slot. You've heard me talk about him. I'm, I really like what I've seen from him so far. But he also can play the Buffalo nickel, so they can get to a you can get to a six D back set, have three corners and three safeties on the field. That would give you all those defensive backs on there. Quan is definitely more than just a corner. He's he's a slot corner, but he's also a safety, so he can play multiple roles for them. When it's a three corner set, you're going to have Forbes and Fuller on the outside and Benjamin St. Juice on the inside. All right. Um, Key to Brat wants to know about Cole Turner. I, and I talked about him yesterday. Cole Turner, I think, has had a has done a nice job, had a nice route today. And in fact, after the route, just a little cross deep, kind of an intermediate crosser. After the route, he did a good job kind of you know with his move at the top of the route to get open. And then after the route, he comes over the sidelines, and you have uh Curtis Hodges really he's basically dad, you know, slapping him five and telling him that that was money. So and by the way, I talked about the heat, and I don't know why I brought this up, thought about it now, because maybe because when, when I saw Hodges and Turner do that, I was standing right there, and I'm thinking, God, those guys look so just that, – that's just a brutally hot day. How must it feel in those pads? Well, after a couple runs, you'd have like Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. They'd have to rake these long runs, and they would – basically you'd get, roll the ball aside as you, as, after the play – you go over the sidelines and you immediately take a knee about 25 yards from your teammates because you're just kind of gassed. Um, so anyway, just thought I'd let you know just how bad it was. All right, Tim Monica wants to know, do you think we can actually make the playoffs or will, will, will they be mediocre again? I don't know. I think Can, can they make the playoffs? Yes. And they, listen, they were 8-8-1 eight, eight and one last year. They were, they were, and they had, you know, I'm a big fan of what Taylor Heineke has done in the NFL. But when you look at it, the quarterback play, the quarterback play wasn't great. I mean, it, you know, it just wasn't. And they still went 8-8-1. Eight, eight, now, the schedule was more conducive to last year. You know, to me, I thought they'd go in there, like, with the schedule they had, 10 wins was a definite possibility. And you look at some of their losses, 10 wins was, was right there for them. So was 10 losses, though, I would say. So can they make it? Yes. I think this can be a very, very good defense. The secondary, I really like what I've seen so far. And the question will always come down to quarterback, offensive line. How long does it take to mesh? And before it meshes, what is their record? Where are they at? Can the defense and run game really kind of carry them early on? Not even just the run game, but, you know, because you are you can still throw the ball. You can screen. You can do this. You can do that. But it's when you get to the second level of your offense, which is an ability to do a little bit more and humming with a little bit more precision that's when you know you'll start to get something. So, um, But, you know, mediocre, listen, I'm not going to the year thinking they're going to win 10 or 11 games. You know, could they win 10 games? I think with the schedule, it's kind of tough. I think what you, you know, if the defense plays that well and if Sam Howell is what people hope he is this year, then, yeah, they have a chance of that. Otherwise, I think you're in that eight to nine win range, which even nine wins right now is still a little bit optimistic because there's still a lot we don't know. You know, we don't know about the offensive line enough. And we don't know if, you know, is Howell going to be a good quarterback? I think he can be, but when? And I tell you this, they have the same questions eternally, but they like the progression so far.
And even Dave Shockey just said it too. It's not worth evaluating the O-line yet because of no pads, but I'm very concerned. But he said he's very concerned. Dave, I agree with you. You can't evaluate him. So what you do is you look for traits. And, for example, when I'm watching Braden Daniels, and I pointed this out a couple of times, what I don't like is you see him a lot of times losing his bounce and bending over at the waist. That's something that doesn't translate well. That's not a pads thing. That's a technique thing. But you can fix that. When you're watching, and I brought up um, uh, Mason Brooks, Cosme, you can see form. You can see technique. But you don't know until you get the pads on and then play in a game because when you're in a game, things are just different. You're game planning differently correct than what you're doing in practice but you're also having to work together a lot more than like in a one-on-one situation and that's when you see because a good line plays well together listen like you go back to those hogs here and they weren't just have the greatest collection of talent they were so good together and i know that you know i know jacoby should be in the hall of fame so you should have had two hall of famers but overall it's like you had you know you had some guys that were just and bostic wasn't this great specimen but they played well together that's what makes a really good line, and that's something we're not going to know until um, until we go. Um, Todd Labor wants to know whether they use Forbes on special teams. No, there you go. Why? They, there's no reason to. He's there's no reason to, and he's he's starter. Blaine wants to know Blaine Bowling. Hey John, how is Derek's offense look different than Scott's at this point? Well, a couple of things that jump out. First of all, the screen game is a lot more, a lot more screens, a lot more RPOs. And especially because of how there's more deep balls, but that's also going to be a function of this offense. And that's where Deami Brown comes in. And what, when you see Brown make a play, it's usually going to be down the field. I saw him get jammed at the line um, by one of the corners today. That was, you know, it's just like, okay. But when he gets, when he goes deep, it's a lot better. And, and actually, by the way, if you remember yesterday, when I was talking about Terry McLaurin and his, and his route running in practice and, you know, gets his header. If you remember, I saw, I was talking, I, there was one route that there was just a little quick out. And it was Terry's ability to turn at a sharper angle and then get his head around on his fifth step. So then the next guy up was Brown. Brown took him, he rounded it a little bit more, and it was his sixth step when he got his head around. The difference in that fifth and sixth step when he gets his head around is when the quarterback can get you the ball. But also, Terry, because of how he ran the route, he had the ability to kind of catch, gather his feet, turn up field, had about, about you know, eight inches of space between him and the sidelines by the end, or maybe you know a foot or whatever. Whereas Brown, he caught the ball, couldn't gather his feet, was out of bounds. He caught it, but he ended up running out of bounds with no yards after the catch. Anyway, I don't know why they came up. Anyways, as far as how the offense is, those are some of the differences. I think the other difference, Blaine, is the urgency that you see with the, with, with the enemy harping on, get out of the huddle, get up to the line, jog off the field, do this, do it. Really harping on, to me, the urgency of getting up there and giving the quarterback, a young quarterback, more time at the line to diagnose what he sees. Tim Monica says, what's up with the linebackers? Do you think they should have signed someone? Well, I did think they should have signed someone just for more depth and just for more competition. But the guy that I was intrigued by was Khalid Cousin because of how he played at the end. And I think they were intrigued by him as well. That's why I think they didn't sign someone after the spring because they liked what they saw from Hudson. He's been working a lot with the ones next to Cody Barton. Some of that is because of Jamin Davis working his way back, still kind of getting back up to speed. He was in there with the ones during 11 on 11 late in practice today. But Hudson is the guy that they need to develop because it gives you that third guy. If he didn't develop, 
And if he doesn't develop, they then they're going to have to go out and get someone else's depth. You don't need another starter with what they, you know, with Barton and Davis, you're covered there. What you need is a third guy who can come in and start if needed. Hudson has to develop there. Um, and then uh, the other part of the equation is they do like to use those Buffalo Nichols a lot in those hybrid linebacker safety roles. Cam Curl, Quan Martin, that helps with their versatility as well. But, yes, I did think they should have signed someone, but I know I know why they didn't. It's because of what they started to see from from, Hub, from uh, Hudson. And then also Blaine wants to know, has Deron practiced yet? Deron Payne practiced today. So, yes, he, he did. Let's see what else we got here. Get a few more here for you. I, again, I appreciate your pa- patience here. Again, Dave Shocker wants to know, I'm curious about the DB rotation. Butler, Curl, Forrest, Fuller, and Juice, Forbes, Martin, et cetera. Who are odd men out in terms of majority playing time? Will it be a game plan specific? I don't – I think it's specific for all of them just because who, you know, um, if you're playing – sometimes you're playing a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, you may use six, seven defensive backs at times. But I think in this case, like I said, um, you'll have, you'll have, um, you know, again the corners, Fuller, St. Juice, and Forbes. Those are your guys there. Quan Martin can come in and play as a third safety or even a fourth safety at times. With Cam Curl, you can put Forrest in there, Butler. So it's going to be a mix and match quite quite a bit. Oh, Tim Monica, I'm getting to some of you guys same questions t- or uh, same people. Tim Monica, why is Dave Mayo still on the team? Special teams. He's also a veteran backup, so he's a, he's a fifth guy. Like people worry way too much about some guys like that. You're not gonna, you can if you have a better young guy, then he'll make it. But they haven't found that guy yet. Milo Eifler, guys like that. Um, so at Super Bowl at the Super Bowl, Sean Payton said one ownership group reached out before he signed. Was it Josh Harris? I do not believe that was Josh Harris. Theo Lyon says is KJ Henry who's get off is it first better than expected? Do you envision Henry being? more than just rotational level talent. Not at this point. I have to see more. That's where you need to see the pads. I've seen some things from him like, okay, I kind of like that. But let's see where the pads are. And when he starts going up against guys who are going to make, make rosters and, and you know, um, yeah, the, there you go. All right, Scott Yeh says the team is some salary cap space. Do you anticipate them signing anyone in what position? I mean, they're not going to sign. I think what, what you want to do with that salary cap space is, you can, first of all, help use it for some of that for next year, which helps offset the kind of deals you want to give to Montez Sweat and Cam Curl. But, you know, there's not, like, could you go out and sign someone? Yeah, you always want to keep some in reserve because in case you need to go get somebody. But there aren't a lot of guys out there. Like, what if, like, what if something happens to a running back and you want to go sign Kareem Hunt? Well, you can go do that. And I'm not saying they're going to do that, but if somebody gets hurt, maybe you start to look at what are your alternatives. But I think, so it really depends on injuries. And I think, again, I think linebacker would be an area to watch if they don't feel like Hudson developed as as they had hoped. Um, e plus wants to know: Did Brian Robinson lose weight for a purpose? Well, he even said today he really didn't lose a lot of weight. So, he kind of said he kind of gained some of the back up there. The big thing for him is I think the comfort level and the confidence in his in his knee and his hip. Um, so yeah. All right, Alvin Cogill said, "Who is the undrafted stud to watch?" Well, I brought up one name, Mason Brooks, um, Kaz, Kaz Allen um, for, let's see, I'm going to see what else. Kaz Allen, I just said him as a returner possibly. Haven't seen enough of him as a receiver, to be honest, where where he's just like, I haven't seen him like jump out in that area. He'd be a slot guy. He's kind of quick, but he, his mark would be made as a, as a returner. Kendall Smith, the safety, 
just a guy to watch. So we'll see there. But Brooks was a priority, and so was Kendall Smith. And then West St. Louis said, does Cosme have the potential to be the, the best O-line in the season? Um, sure. I mean, I think Gates could be pretty good. But I think I, I like what I've seen so far from Cosme, and I do think he's done a nice job and can do a nice job there. I also think he's better suited for guard. And I think I remember before the draft, a lot of people, I, a few people I talked to before or after the draft felt like he could be, again, a little bit like what, what they said about Brandon Sheriff, could be a good a good tackle, but a really good guard. Now with with Sheriff, it was always, he could be a good tackle, but an all-pro guard, which is what he turned out to be. I haven't heard all-pro guard for Cosme. That's a higher level, but I've heard better guard than tackle. So we'll see. I mean, I think, like I said, I like his his um, his uh, uh, footwork inside there. So um, we'll get a few more here, and then going to have to wrap it up. Um, let's go. Pidgey Smalls, is this the most exciting year in your career in Washington? Well, um, I I think the Robert Griffin the third year, that's the year that to me was always the my favorite year to cover because it was the excitement around the team, the dynamic play he provided, um, the seven-game winning streak. It was just different. Everybody was really into it, and it was a fun offense to watch. And I love going back and watching the games again to see how what did they do, what, you know, how – how did they, you know, fool this defense? Watching linebackers get fooled in the, on the on the zone read, et cetera. And so that was one year. I don't. I think I don't know about. I'm not sure. I call this year exciting. It was to be honest for a reporter. For me, it was a lot more stressful than it was exciting because there was so much going on. And to be honest, there was a lot of stuff that would get reported that wasn't accurate, and it just it made my life more difficult. Um, that aside, though, with all the news and et cetera, that it's just it was just a lot. What I what I will say is I can feel the fresh start for everybody. Like even for a reporter, not that I'm I'm certainly not under Dan Snyder's um, domain, but you feel the toxicity whether it's out here, the way people were getting treated, the the fan base, just how you guys felt. So like it's just the fresh start is good for everybody. I'll just say that. More questions? How about that? All right, um, Lamont TBG says. What do you think Bienemy will be able to accomplish with this offense this season, like ranking? Oh, that's impossible to know because we don't know yet. I mean, it's, right now you're going off blind faith. How good do you think Howell will be? Now the bar is low. They haven't. I think they could. I think they could get to that top, you know, in the middle range certainly. Um, and then it just depends how good is Howell. I do think like some of the urgency and the details that he pays attention to will make a difference. But I really like. And I think the line will be better. I still have concerns, but it's, I think it's better than last year. But I still do have concerns about where, um, where they are. And um, so, yeah, let's see. One more question. Eric, and by the way, someone asked about uh, Ridgeway. Yes, he's out there. That, he isn't, that hasn't been an issue. Um, Eric R. wants to know, is the continuity on defense evident? Can you see more comfort in the system? And that's a good question. Yes, I can. I think, and this is why I say when you're watching the offense, what you don't know, like if they have a bad day, like yesterday, I wouldn't say a bad day necessarily, but I thought the defense did pretty well. The defense is further along. And one of the things that Ron Rivera's talked about with this zone, like the zone match coverage scheme they used, that was new last year. Well, now they've, they've been in an year, so you're more comfortable. The communication is stronger. And I can see some of that with the defensive backs. Once in a while, there's a, like today, I saw a collision, like, to be honest, Jamin Davis just rolled into 
Emmanuel Forbes. I don't know who was in the wrong, but they collided on the field. And, um, anyways, you don't see that very often. What you see more are guys passing off guys, rotating right. And I think that's something you definitely see. So, yes, I think I think that continuity is evident, and I do think I see more comfort in the system. It's why I say, like, this, this should – this has they have the ability to be a top five, a top five defense. Now, some of that's gonna a lot of that, some of that would be determined that when you're talking not so much ranking, but even just overall, um, Chase Young's got to have that big year. Jamin Davis has to have a has to continue to ascend. You behind this group, you can't be an average linebacker. You just can't. And what you know, so if that happens, they have a chance to be really good on defense. And so there you go, folks. Anyways. I hope I appreciate you guys who stuck with me. I apologize for some of the earlier audio issues on the first live stream we tried to do. So if you tuned in for this one, thank you very much. And I will be back on Saturday after another practice. And somebody asked if it's a sellout. I don't know that it's a sellout. They distributed 16,000 tickets for it. And they're expecting certainly a lot more than they've had the last two days. So could it get to 10,000? Maybe. That would be kind of a big deal here after the last decade so there you go thanks for tuning in i'll be back on saturday after the practice wrap of another day so i'll talk to you next time